The relationship of the President as Commander-in-Chief, with his generals in uniform, had been and remains a critical issue in American government. In doing little more than designating the President as Commander-in-Chief and giving Congress the power to declare war, the U.S. Constitution does not provide any real guidance on the issue of waging war. The War of 1812 lacked national military organization or coordination on the part of the United States. The Mexican-American War saw President James K. Polk first appoint Zachary Taylor as his leading general to keep Winfield Scott out of the limelight and then replace Taylor with Scott after Taylor's military successes, all primarily for political reasons. Therefore, Lincoln was treading in essentially uncharted territory as he undertook a gigantic war and experimented with civilian-military relations. As will be seen, Lincoln's relationship with Generals-in-Chief Winfield Scott, George B. McClellan, and Henry Halleck were less than satisfactory. Between the terms of the latter two, Lincoln and Secretary of War Edwin Stanton even tried running the war without a designated general-in-chief. It was only with the elevation of Grant to that position in March 1864, and with the quickly developing cooperation between Lincoln and Grant, that an effective civilian-military relationship became a reality. Their development of a civilian-controlled, militarily effective relationship with virtually no precedent upon which to build, was astounding and provided a model for future American wars. Lincoln and Grant's positive relationship was enhanced by many similarities in their personalities and life experiences. Both were born in modest circumstances west of the Appalachian Mountains, in what was regarded in the early 19th century as the American frontier. They were men of the river, Born near the Ohio River, they understood the uses and value of the nation's inland river systems. They were humble, self-effacing individuals who worked their ways from the bottom to the top of American society. Both battled internal demons, but stubbornly pursued the critical goals of their lives. They overcame numerous obstacles and eventually prevailed as two of America's greatest leaders at a time when the nation needed them most. Parallel experiences in their personal lives included marriages into slave-owning families, distracting interferences in their lives from other relatives, Lincoln's wife and Grant's father and father-in-law, their self-taught mastery of the English language, and their different but effective interpersonal skills. They also shared some personality traits, James M. McPherson described Grant, shy with strangers, uncomfortable in the limelight, notoriously taciturn. Grant earned a reputation as the American Sphinx. Yet wherever he went, things got done, quietly, efficiently, quickly, with no wasted motion. In crisis situations during combat, Grant remained calm. He did not panic. He persevered and never accepted defeat even when he appeared to be beaten. Although Lincoln was more introspective than shy, much of this description could be applied to him as well. He faced his own forms of combat. Significantly, some of Lincoln's positive attributes contrasted with and complemented those of Grant, 
For example, Lincoln was a political genius, while Grant had military acumen. Unlike the Confederacy's President Jefferson Davis, Lincoln did not insist on micromanaging the war. In fact, Lincoln delegated more and more military authority to Grant as the general earned the president's confidence. For his part, Grant yielded to Lincoln's political expertise on most significant issues, including the movement toward emancipation and the use of black soldiers. Grant also deferred to Lincoln on most major military strategic issues, a demonstration that Lincoln indeed was the senior partner in their successful partnership.